To start with today, I want you to think a little bit about our last episode. And if you didn't listen to our last episode, I want you to stop right now and go back and listen to last week, episode 36, because the second half of episode 36 really ties into where we're going to start today. See, I want you to think about what if we were all male or what if we were all female? And I think part of the reason I'm thinking about this is because of the Barbie movie. I'm going to totally on it. Like the Barbie movie doesn't matter what you think or where you sit. I think you can see in the Barbie movie what you want to see. I think one of my favorite lines is where Ken says, but it's Ken and Barbie. Ken and Barbie. And in the process of that, I, I want you to think about what if we were all male? What would the world look like and or what would we be missing out on? Now, we can also contemplate the inverse. What if the world was only populated with female? Again, what would we be missing? I don't know about you, but I think there would be a lot of confusion. And it's fair to say right now there is a lot of confusion. I'm going to totally own that as society continues to progress, that it does become in some instances more confusing for me. For example, I understand what it means when someone stays that they are homosexual. I, I get gay, I get lesbian. But when we start getting into non-binary, binary, pansexual, and further into the minutia of it, and I'll own it, I personally begin to get a little bit confused of, am I using the right label or the right title or the right identification that this person would like me to use. And the reason that I share that with you is because there's really one person who wants us to be confused, and that's Satan. Now, how can I say that? Well, because in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33, we get this. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. So we're going to go back to that question. So what if we were all male? Or what if we were all female? Or even further, what if we didn't ever share our experiences or our feelings or our thoughts or our ideas? Can you imagine if the great thinkers of the world never shared their thoughts, their experiences, or their ideas? Or even if your bestie didn't share with you what their day was like, like what would that be like? So I decided to go in and look, since we aren't all male and we aren't all female, I did a really simple Google search. Now you may be saying, okay, Candace, why are we talking about this? Trust me, it has a point. But I went in and I did this little Google search and the Google search simply was, I just typed in top 10 great men in history. I'm not gonna kid you, I quickly, boom, got a list. So then I opened up another webpage and I typed in top 10 great women in history. And something really crazy happened. The search immediately switched from the word greatest to famous. Now, I would contest that famous and great are not the same. Why? Well, because fame does not equate with greatness. So you can be famous without being great. Like, let's take a look at Ted Bundy. Man's pretty dang famous, but what he did was not great at all. So that being said, here are the results. Men. Great men in history, top 10. I think most of them you're going to recognize. Number 10, Albert Einstein. Nine, Christopher Columbus. Eight, 
Johann Gutenberg. Uh, seven, Kalun. That's when I was like, who? He's the dude that invented paper. Pretty, pretty important. I love that the next one comes in. Paul of Tarsus, our friend. He's writing the, the letters to the Corinth here. Then Confucius. Number four, Jesus Christ. Three, Isaac Newton. Two, Muhammad. And number one, Buddha. Now, you may be saying to yourself, wait a second, wait a second. We've got uh, three religious people there in the top four, which we do. And you may be thinking to yourself, well, why is Jesus coming in at number four? All I want you to do is think about how many people worship Buddha versus how many Christians there are in the world. Right? So Buddha would be the greatest. So when we look at women, we get this. Now, you may not know many of them. Some of them I'm going to own. I had to go in and look a little bit into. Number 10, Rosa Parks. Number nine, Mary Wollstonecraft. Now, if you're saying, I don't even know who that is, that's okay. She was an early supporter of women's rights. And by early, I mean the year was 1792 when she began advocating for women's rights. Then we have Florence Nightingale, Eleanor Roosevelt, Queen Elizabeth I. So we're talking Elizabethan period. Then we have Cleopatra. Amelia Earhart, Mother Teresa, Joan of Arc, and Marie Curie. Now, in case you don't know, Marie Curie, Marie Curie is the one who coined the word radioactivity. So, why am I talking about all of this? About men and women and greatness and history? Well, because sometimes we want to hold people of the present to the standard of the past. And sometimes we want to hold people of the past to the standard of the present. Let me show you what I mean. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you should have read last week these verses. And if you read them, you may have thought to yourself, what? I even wrote in my margin, ha, 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 because of what it says. 1 Corinthians 11, look at verses 14 and 15. Doth not every nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it's a shame unto him? If a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. Now, did you catch that? If a man has long hair, it's a shame to him. I'm confident there is long hair in a ward near you. And if a woman have long hair, it's glory to her. Why? Because she should be able to cover herself with her hair. I'm here to tell you my hair is not long enough to cover anything. Maybe my eyebrows. And when it gets down on my ears right now, I immediately cut it off. 1 Corinthians 14, 34, 35. Now, nobody get upset as I read these verses, but you may have already read them and were like, what? 34, 35. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to rule. But they are commanded to be under obedience and also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to rule in the church. I'm going to say what I just said. Don't hold the church of today to the standard of yesterday. And don't hold the church of yesterday to the standard of today. 
See, if we truly believe in modern revelation and that God is a God of love who gives us direction for the time that we live in, then we would understand as we read these verses that that's what was needed at the time of Paul. You see, Paul's talking specifically in those types of verses to his church. He's not talking to us. Sisters, the reality is the worst thing that that you and I can do is not to share our impressions, our experiences, our thoughts, and our ideas. In fact, we have Paul here counseling women to stay silent, and we have President Nelson in October Conference 2015 saying the following. Listen closely. Quote, We need your strength, your conversion, your conviction, your ability to lead, your wisdom, and your voices. The kingdom of God is not and cannot be complete without women who make sacred covenants and then keep them. Women who speak with power and authority of God. Close quote. Our Latter-day prophet is saying, women, rise up, take your spot. One of my favorite quotes is by a dude called Anonymous. Again, whoever Anonymous is, like when I meet him in heaven, I'm going to hug him or her. But one of my favorite quotes is, the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. The hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. So will you, will you be a woman who speaks out? A woman who has an opinion, who studies the gospel of Jesus Christ, or in the words of Sherry Dew, back when she was in the General Relief Society president, she has a talk that discussed how Women are the secret weapon of Christ. Now, you may be saying, wait a second, women are the secret weapon of Christ? I want to give you an example, sisters, of what you can accomplish. My first school that I taught at, I ended up with a last period seminary class that had, and I am not joking, 20 young men and 10 young ladies. That was really off balanced. But to make it worse, of those 20 young men, more than half of them were football players. This dynamic created something extremely interesting. And if you don't think that it was difficult for me to have classroom control, you're you're totally missing it. It was tough. A couple of those boys would walk in with that attitude of like, teach me, I dare you, right? Like they just were, they were scary. I thought they were gonna like fold me up, turn me into a pterodactyl, origami my body, do something, I don't know. They were scary. And I remember that I finally had had it. And so one day after class, when the, after the boys had just been such a pain, I asked all of the young women to stay after class. And what was really funny is as the young ladies were staying after class, these young men were saying to them, way to go, you girls are in trouble. Oh, you have to stay after. <laughs> and they go walking out. Well, my sweet 10 young ladies stayed after class. And I said to them, I need your help. How do you guys feel this class is going? They're like, this is like one of the worst seminary classes we've ever been in. I'm all 100%. I agree with you. So I need your help. You are God's secret weapon. And they're like, what? And I said, I'm not kidding you. These young men in here, they could care less what I think because I am old and they are not trying to impress me. They care what you think. Cute sophomore girl says, those those junior senior football players care what I think and I'm all more than you know. So so here's what we're going to do. And in my head, I was like praying. I'm like, Heavenly Father, what's my plan? What are we going to do? 
And I said, since you are his secret weapon, what I want you to do, ladies, is I want you to go home and think about that this weekend because when you come next time, we're going to have a new seating chart. You will each be seated in between two boys because remember, they were outnumbered two to one. I said, you will be seated uh, in rows of three. So you'll be seated by two other boys. Those are your boys. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to make those boys your friend. I want you to compliment them when you see them doing stuff that's great. I want you to encourage them. And I want you to see what happens. I'm here to tell you that something amazing happened as these young women understood what President Nelson is asking us to do as they use their conversion, their strength, and their wisdom and their conviction. You see, Tuesday morning came. <laughs> as people began to walk into class, two sophomore girls, I will never forget them. Two sophomore girls stood by the door. Now, the vast majority of these boys would wear their baseball caps into class, and it is a dedicated building, and so you should have your hats off. And we had signs everywhere, hats off for the Lord and all the things. Well, as they walked into class, these two sophomore girls did not hesitate. They began pulling baseball caps off junior football player boys. And they were like, what are you doing? And they would say, this is a dedicated building, and one of the ways we show the Lord that we love him is we don't wear our hats. Thanks for taking your hat off. What was really crazy is I'd ask those same boys to take off their hats using almost the same things and they would put them back on. From that day forward, they would come in and remove their hats. I began to watch amazing things happen as the young ladies would go back to the scripture cabinets and get the scriptures out for the young men or say, oh, I noticed you didn't have your scriptures. Here, share mine with me so that you can read and follow along. Within about a month, not only did all of the young men have scriptures, but all of the young men were participating. By the end of the semester, the class had affectionately been called the priest quorum. They'd named themselves that. And the girls would say, I'm so glad I'm part of the priest quorum. I love the priest quorum. I love what I'm learning from the priesthood. We had very open discussion and dialogue about the ways to support and help each other. See, in that same class, I'll never forget talking about some of these very similar themes. When a young man said in front of those girls, he said, our moms have taught us to open doors. Our moms have taught us well on how to treat you. But when you use the same language we use and laugh at the same jokes that we laugh at, why should we treat you any differently? You see, Heavenly Father created men and women for a lot of purposes. But one of them is to create diversity of thought, to create diversity of experience, and to help each other. So will you be a woman who speaks out, has an opinion, studies the gospel, and is a secret weapon? And gentlemen listening, will you be men who actively include, seek for, and invite the young ladies around you? Because sometimes they're just intimidated by you, let's be honest. And quite frankly, the reverse can happen. That we've got to create an idea or a place for confusion to leave. See, there's even more topics of confusion that Paul is trying to address for the people of Corinth. For example, even though Christ had taught and had actually resurrected, inside of this area of Corinth where Paul is writing, the church had confusion around the concept of resurrection. Now, hold up. Christ has actually resurrected. But still, 
they're experiencing confusion around the thought of resurrection. Let me show you what I mean. Verse number 11. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preached and so you believed. Now, if Christ had preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Right? If Christ is saying, hey, there's going to be resurrection of the dead, I'm going to teach it, and I did it, then how can you say that it didn't happen? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain? Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we've testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if it so be that the dead rise not at all. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. You gotta look, Paul. He's like, then if Christ really isn't resurrected, even though he said he was, then we're preaching false doctrine, and that really wasn't Christ who rose from the dead. Verse 17. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Because remember, Christ's resurrection and atonement makes it so that we can be freed from our sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. So our deceased loved ones are lost to us. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But I love what happens next. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man come also the resurrection of the dead. Here's the key. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Adam brought death into the world. Remember, as we talk about the plan of salvation, he's there in the Garden of Eden, and he's told you can eat of all of the fruit, all of the things. Here are two trees, though, in opposition, the tree of eternal life, not eternal life, the tree of immortality and the tree of good and evil. He's told, hey, you can eat of every tree, but don't eat of this one, of the good and evil. Well, in so doing, you know what happens? He brings in death. So as an Adam, he brings in death. Christ's resurrection makes it so what? All of us can resurrect. Resurrection is a free gift. Doesn't matter if you are Ted Bundy or Ezra Tappanson. We are all going to resurrect. That is a free gift. But if we want more than that, then we've got to enter in by what? I love verse 29. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? Paul teaches us about baptism for the dead. He teaches us there. They're practicing it there in Corinth and he's saying, Look, why, if you don't believe in resurrection, then why are you being baptized for the dead? Christ said that he resurrected. We're doing this so that those who do resurrect can enter into his kingdom. Why? Well, because there's confusion. See, the next topic of confusion that Paul tries to help us clarify is that of heaven and hell. 
I encourage you to ask someone from another faith to define heaven and hell. What's heaven and what's hell? It creates a really interesting conversation. Like, what do you believe heaven to be? What do you believe hell to be? Now, the reason I want you thinking about that is because Paul, as he's trying to clarify all of this, he tries to clarify of like, there's more than just a heaven or a hell. That's why all of these choices and all of these things that we've been talking about really matter. It's why it's important to get out of confusion. See, in verses 40 through 42, as he teaches about this, he says, you've got to use the Joseph Smith translation. Also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial and bodies telestial, but the glory of the celestial is one and the terrestrial another and the telestial another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. Or in other words, what Paul is saying is, hey, when you resurrect, guess what? You resurrect with a glory. And the glory is one of three things. It's either the sun, the moon, or the stars. And he calls it what? Celestial, terrestrial, telestial, or great way to remember it, sea turtle. Celestial, terrestrial, telestial, sea turtle, right? What I love is that there's this really cool dude. You may have heard of him. His name is Joseph Smith. And Joseph Smith had some questions about this. And that's one of the things that I love about the Doctrine and Covenants, because the Doctrine and Covenants really clarifies things. Now, if I know you like I think I might know some of you, you're out there questioning like, yeah, but am I even worthy to go to the celestial kingdom? What I love is that Joseph Smith took basically that question and a few others, and because of it, we get section 76 of the Doctrine and Covenants. And we're going to take a look at this sea turtle backwards. So would you call that Teltersol? I don't, I don't know. But we're going to look at the sea turtle backwards and, and determine a few things. Now, I am not going to waste my time on outer darkness or sons of perdition, even though section 76 talks about this. And the reason that I'm not going to waste my time on that is because nobody listening to this podcast can currently qualify to be a son or daughter of perdition. Unless, by chance, I don't want to discredit any of you, But if any of you have actually seen Jesus Christ, you now have the ability to become a son or daughter of perdition. If you're like me and you haven't seen Jesus Christ, but you have hope that one day you will, guess what? (laughs) You can't go to outer darkness. You're safe. No outer darkness for you. So we're going to pick up the telestial world. And if we're in section 76, um, if you wanted to, uh, on your own time and your own scriptures, I would block together verses 81 through 89 because 81 through 89 gives us the qualifications if you will for the telestial or the glory of the stars and guess what you don't even qualify let me show you what i mean and again we saw the glory of the telestial which glory is that of the lesser even as the glory of the stars differs from that of the glory of the moon and the firmament these are they who receive not the gospel of jesus christ neither a testimony of jesus hold up If you currently are a member of the Church of Jesus Christ, have received his gospel, and or are someone who studies the Bible, you're a good person who believes in Christ and has a testimony of Christ, guess what? You can't go to the celestial kingdom. You kicked yourself out. These are they who deny not the Holy Spirit. These are they who are thrust down to hell. These are they who shall not be redeemed from the devil until the last resurrection. Verse 86, they receive not his fullness in the internal world. Verse 88, the celestial receive it of the ministering of angels who are appointed to minister unto them. 
but I love 89. The glory of the telestial surpasses all understanding. If you have a testimony of Jesus Christ, even if it's just a small one that you, you believe or you hope that he is real, you've just kicked yourself out of the celestial kingdom. Congratulations. So you may be saying, okay, am I terrestrial? Well, let's take a look. If you have your own scriptures, again, I would box in verses 71 through 80. And in 71 through 80, we find out what it takes to be the moon. So 71, and again, we saw the terrestrial world and behold, and lo, these are they who are of the terrestrial, whose glory differ from that of the church of the firstborn who have received the fullness of the father, even as that of the moon differs from the sun in the firmament. And behold, these are they who died without the law. So if you have the law of Christ, you can't be in the terrestrial kingdom. These are they who are spirits of men kept in prison, whom the son visited and preached the gospel unto them that they might be judged according to men in the flesh. Remember, you're doing baptisms for the dead. Some of these people are terrestrial. Seven, who received not the testimony of Jesus in the flesh, but afterwards received it. These are they who are honorable men of the earth who are blinded by the craftiness of men. These are they who received not the presence of the Son, but not the fullness of the Father, their bodies terrestrial. Here's the one carve out. Listen closely. These are they who are not valiant in the testimony of Jesus. So you may be saying, okay, wait, hold up. Am I valiant? Well, let's take a look. I don't think that it's any coincidence that here in section 76, that verses 50 through 70, so nearly double the amount of verses is dedicated to qualifications of the celestial kingdom. But the biggest reason that I think it's that way for me personally, or I want to believe, is that Heavenly Father has faith and trust in us that that's where we're going to go. So if you remember last time we talked about patriarchal blessings, and one of the things that a patriarchal blessing, some, many, it talks about resurrection, right? Like you'll come forth in the morning of the resurrection. Uh, as you receive temple covenants, one of the things that temple covenants bind you for is the morning of the first resurrection. If I'm part of the morning of the first resurrection, guess what? I'm a celestial being. And often we forget, right, that we are celestial beings here having a telestial experience. So if sometimes you're uncomfortable in the world that you live in, you should be, because you are a celestial being in a telestial world. Think about that. If there are things that you're like, man, this just, I don't even know how to deal with this because I'm just so uncomfortable. That's your spirit going, yeah, I'm uncomfortable because I'm, I'm celestial. I was created to be a god. Nobody's patriarchal blessing is going to say, I'm going to bless you to come forth in the afternoon of the resurrection. No, 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 no. You, as a son or daughter of God, were created to be celestial. You were created to be a sun, S-U-N, not a moon or a star. Don't downplay your light. So what do I have to do? Well, you're going to be surprised at how close you are really to the celestial kingdom. Let me show you. Verse 50. And again, we bear record for we saw and heard, and this is the testimony of the gospel of Christ concerning them who shall come forth in the resurrection of the just. They are they who received the testimony of Christ. Remember, we go back to that testimony of Jesus. That's what got you out of the celestial kingdom. And it's the first thing that gets you in the celestial kingdom. And they believed on his name and were baptized after the manner of his burial, being buried in the water in his name, and this according to the commandment which he has given, that by keeping the commandments, they may be washed and cleansed from all their sins and receive the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands of him who have ordained and sealed unto this power. Stop. 
Now, did you catch that? We have to have a testimony of Christ, believe on his name, be baptized, keep the commandments, and receive the Holy Ghost. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm five for five. Now, granted, keep the commandments. That one kind of fluctuates. I got my favorite sins. I'm still working on those bad boys, but I also have the atonement. That's why it's there, right? 53, and who overcome by faith and are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, which the Father sheds forth upon all those who are just and true. Holy Spirit of promise. Or in other words, it's the Holy Ghost saying, yep, I know that Candace is doing her best. Here's my stamp of approval. Yep, I know that that Camille is doing her best. Stamp of approval. I know that John is doing the very best he can. Stamp of approval. Now, what I love about that seal of the Holy Ghost is that it can come and go depending on how you and I are living our lives. So the more we overcome by faith and keep the commandments, the more firm that seal is. See, you and I were created to be as bright as the sun. And what does that mean? Well, according to these verses, I don't know about you, but I love verse 55. They are they unto whose hand the Father has given all things. You want to understand how God has done everything and have his type of power? Do these things. 58, wherefore it is written, they are God's, even the sons of God's, wherefore all things are theirs, whether life or death or the things present or the things to come, all are theirs. They are Christ and Christ is God's and they shall overcome all things. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be a son, an S-U-N. So will you do what it takes? And do you understand what it is that it takes? You've already purchased the property in the celestial kingdom. We purchased it. Your house is currently being built based on how well you're keeping the commandments. And this is what you need to do. Paul calls it out at the end of 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58. He says straightforward, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Steadfast and unmovable. Sounds like Mosiah 5.15. But in case we missed it there at the end of 1 Corinthians 15, in chapter 16, 13 verses later, he says, Watch ye stand fast in faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. Let all things be done with charity. Charity, there it is again. That pure love of Christ. You and I focusing on building and and edifying each other because we are different because we are men because we are women because we think differently because we see the world differently because our experiences are different because our spiritual gifts are different the diversity is what makes the journey so beautiful So will you go and do a few things for me this week? Will you go and start paving the path for each other to shine? Maybe you're a young woman who needs to inspire the young men around you to rise up. Or maybe you're a young man who needs to block and allow those young women through. 
and help them voice their opinions. Will you go and study Doctrine and Covenants section 76? I promise you will find amazing blessings in there and be able to see your celestial property a little clearer. And finally, if nothing else, will you go and simply be steadfast and unmovable, abounding in good works? It's pretty simple. Steadfast. Immovable. Abounding in good works. If you are being steadfast, immovable, and abounding, you will be paving the path for others around you to shine. Be inclusive. If you are steadfast and immovable, potentially you'll be studying the scriptures, maybe not necessarily section 76, but others. I know that as you go and do these things, include others, study the scriptures, and are steadfast, you will find success and continue to build an amazing piece of property in the celestial kingdom. Go, be, and shine like the sun. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Go and Do podcast. We would love it if you would leave us a review and click follow where you listen to your podcasts. We'd also appreciate hearing from you. Feel free to email us at thegoanddopodcast at gmail.com or connect with us on Instagram at goanddopodcast. The Go and Do podcast is created by me, Ken Shu, and produced by Cammie Fisher. We love having you follow along and look forward to hearing from you.